When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Show. Cowboys. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. But the Cowboys made too many mistakes. Too many mistakes. The Rich Eisen Show. I don't have any concerns. I'm proud to be standing here today. Today's guests, senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer, NFL Network analyst Maurice Jones-Drew, Raiders defensive end Max Crosby, from the new film Scream, actress Nev Campbell, and now, it's Rich Eisen. All righty, everybody, welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show here in Los Angeles, California. Uh, we are truly, you know, we're in Los Angeles, California, but we're all over the map today. Uh, Albert Breer, Maurice Jones-Drew, Max Crosby, Nev Campbell. That's our four-wide today. Uh, Nev Campbell in studio. Sydney Prescott and Scream is back. Somebody had to knock Spider-Man off the, off the top of the list, and so she is going to be here in hour number three. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Good to see you, Chris Brockman. How hey, Rich, are you? Good to be seen. What's happening? Good to see you, Mike Del Tufo, back you, in the chair over there doing his Indeed. thing. Uh, good to see T.J. Jefferson in his spot. Good to see you, T.J. I mean... Oh boy! I want to say how about them Cowboys just to make people mad. So I'm going to say how about no, no, them no, no, no. That's okay. You just be you. You be you. Mike McCarthy fired yet? You be you. You know what TJ is right now talking about the Dallas Cowboys like that. He's like that <clears throat> that uh, uh, football or basketball star starring in all those commercials that you see during the finals and the rest of the playoffs, even though they never made the playoffs or they were freshly eliminated. Like, like Baker, Baker Mayfield? You know, <laughs> you guys say that, right? And and that's why it was so it was such a pleasure to see Chris Paul go so deep last year. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Finally. You know, and, and Mahomes and Rodgers don't usually have those problems. So like Baker Mayfield, you guys both just jumped in there. Poor Baker, man. Boban is in the State Farm commercials now. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, but it's always great to see him. Of course. Boban, who he's, loves he's, soup. He's a delight. He loves soup. The fact he doesn't have a soup named after him yet is <laughs> what are we tragedy. So, everybody, um, okay, uh, we, we've got a, a, a new team in the mix here. And now, why would the Los Angeles Rams be a new team in the mix well, when they were the NFC West champions? Why would, we, why would I term the L.A. Rams as a new team in the mix when they had the biggest well, at least the first, and then what I think turned out to be and what can turn out to be biggest off-season acquisition in, in Matthew Stafford. Yeah, why would you say that, Rich? Uh, because this team, as it won last night and showed up last night, 
you could say is playing the best football they've played all year long. Now, why would I say that when Robert Woods is inactive on the team and he's one of their best players? You take a look at the Los Angeles Rams team that destroyed, dismantled um, the Arizona Cardinals last night. And and they're playing in their in their best possible way right now by by running the football. This is this is the same way that I w- I've been calling the Saints the last few years. Certainly in Drew Brees' final years in New Orleans, and uh, a defensive team and offensive guru clothing because we always talk about Sean Payton and Drew Brees' relationship. But really, what what was the engine in so many ways of the Saints' success in the last several years is their defense, and we saw it again in shutting out Tom Brady earlier this year. We always talk about Sean McVay and the high-flying Rams offense, and that was certainly born out of uh, that huge Monday night game that supposedly broke defense in the NFL, right, between the Chiefs and the Rams in, in the Coliseum, interestingly enough, sealed by a defensive play on that night. We always talk about that. This is a run-first team. This is a team that wants to run it down your throat. This is a team that wants to control the game through their run game, and the passing game is opened up from the run game. And also the way that they put their offense on the field and their formations and their sets that you don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass out of that set, and here comes the run and hits you in the mouth. And then when you think they're going to run it again, no – their quarterback still has it in cups wide open, or now Odell Beckham Jr. Right. And they're running the football. Their run game, the L.A. Rams run game right now, is the best that it has been all year long. All year long. This kid, Cam Akers, that ripped up his Achilles in the summer, is back full strength right now, guys and ladies and gents. He's back, and he is really good. That's why I didn't want to talk about him during the summer before he tore his Achilles because I wanted to get him (laughs) in every fantasy team out there. He's really, really good. He's fast. He's sneaky. He can break tackles. He's strong. He can catch out of the backfield, even though there was one that was thrown to him by Stafford yesterday that he didn't see until too late. But he did have a big one thrown to him by Odell Beckham Jr., Sony Michelle started the game. He started it, and he had a great run himself to start the game. That's the good stuff here. And now the Rams on defense have got Von Miller with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Jalen Ramsey and now Eric Weddle and so much about the safety situation for the Rams this week and who was healthy and who was not. And Eric Weddle hadn't played in two years, and now they got to use him. So what? when that front end is doing its business and they were everywhere last night. And this Rams team, as constituted, is a problem. Is a problem because they can run it down your throat. If they can do that successfully, it opens everything else up and defensively, they can get you out of your game. What a win last night. And Les Snead, Mr. Uh, Church Bells himself, <laughs> Um, the moves that he made, go get Odell Beckham Jr. 
Well, Odell with his first career touchdown reception in the playoffs. Man, he looked good. And Odell Beckham Jr. wide open on so many of his other routes. And Odell Beckham Jr. throwing it down the field. Suddenly, he's now, you know, a jack of all trades, which is not what he's been known as. He's been known as that game wrecker who can grab a football with one tip of a finger. And so... He's performing well. And Von Miller, five first half tackles, including a sack and a tackle for loss. His sack in the first half last night, his first playoff sack since 2015. Okay, then. And same old Aaron Donald. And Matthew Stafford, all he had to do was throw it 17 times. He was 13, 13 to 17 last night. Cooper Cup had a touchdown, and that was kind of an, an oh, by the way. And, and, and that is a complete throttling. Now, I know what people are thinking and saying, too, is how can you say this maybe about the Rams and measure that when it's the Arizona Cardinals doing their annual disappearing act at the end of the season? And that's where we, we, we bring up the Arizona Cardinals. For the second straight year, this has never happened, by the way, in the NFL, for the second straight year, the last remaining undefeated team in the regular season got one and done. That's never happened before in the NFL. Two years in a row last year was the Steelers. This year, it's the Arizona Cardinals. They were 7-0. and The Arizona Cardinals were 10-2 and with a two-game lead in the NFC West. They wound up going to visit the winner of the NFC West and got absolutely boat raced. And, you know... People are placing it at the feet of Cliff Kingsbury because it has been, in his career, something that's happened. Right? You have the numbers there in front of you, correct, Chris, for Cliff Kingsbury? Well, I was looking back to, all the way back to his college ranks, Rich, and uh, you know he became the Texas Tech head coach in 2013, but since 2015, his team started 5-2, and two, lost 4 of 6 to end the year. 2016 with Patrick Mahomes started three and one, lost six of eight to end the year. 2017 started four and one, wow. lost six of eight to end the year. And in 2018, his final year as Texas Tech head coach, finished the year 0 and five. And then lost seven of nine, lost the last five of seven, and this year five of six. I don't, I don't know. And he's a smart enough guy to try and, and to realize that this is an issue. I don't understand it. All I know is last night. What I saw was a quarterback that was way too impatient. Kyler Murray was just, you know, obviously he didn't have time to throw on occasion. He was bailing out right away. But, I mean, that interception on the screen pass to James Conner, he didn't even let that thing develop. Like, Conner just didn't even know that thing was coming at him. And it was coming in It popped up in the air. Right. And, 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 you know... Throwing that one away in the end zone, concerned about giving up two, wound up giving up the full seven on the shortest pick six, right, in the history of uh, the postseason? pick six, in, I think, in NFL history. Three yards? Yeah. Place went nuts when that happened. Just blew the roof off that sucker. James Conner was a, a, a stout run presence all year long. We didn't see much of him last night. We didn't see much of anything, and Kyler Murray looked terrible. There was one moment, though, in time where it was 
in the air in the same way that Micah Hyde had that interception that changed a little bit of the fortunes. I, I think that Josh Allen wasn't going to be stopped no matter what. So the 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 you know the Patriots yeah. could have scored even the score, yeah, what, what but Josh Allen was ready to go. Bit. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it would have just been a you know a slight bit of movement the in the snow, not a full-on <laughs> avalanche, right? Yeah. Um, but there was a play. I believe it was in the Cardinals' second possession where they were deep in their own end again, and Murray got out of the pocket to his right and was extending the play and threw it from his own five-yard line to the Rams' 40 in the air, and Christian Kirk was open. And if he had just put that a couple of yards more in Kirk's direction... That would have been a 95-yard touchdown. Murray has that oh, yeah. incredible ability to home extend run. the play and throw run, it man. down the field for somebody of his physical stature. What a howitzer of an arm. But last night, he just didn't seem ready for primetime is the only honest way to put it. He was just in such a high motor. There was no calming him down. And I, I don't know if you blame it. You could blame it on Kingsbury. Give him the easy throws. Give him this quick one. Give him that quick one. Where's the quick game in terms of just getting it out of his hand? Where's the where's the where's that screen? Where's that? I don't know. It's not like it never was called up last night, but nothing looked in sync. And Murray just looked like I don't know, date myself. You know, the old record player, you you played it on the wrong speed. You know, where you played it at seventy eight. Not 45, Mike, not 33. Usually 33 would be slower, so it would be a 33, and he was playing 78. He normally plays 78. That's what it was off the charts, yeah, man. so he was playing really Played way too yeah. fast. Thank you, Mike, for chiming in yeah. right there. <laughs> I was wondering if that's he was going to say No, I was waiting. <laughs> the question is, is what do you do if the Arizona Cardinals? Like, what, what do you do? I mean, clearly the quarterback's the right guy. DeAndre Hopkins disappears and the run and the passing game definitely suffered although as anybody who has DeAndre on your fantasy team knows he didn't have too many hundred yard games and he didn't get in the end zone a lot either when he was healthy but the team was doing what it had to do on the ground and what it was doing in on defense I mean compare the first game of the season and what the Cardinals looked like in that game against the one seed, eventual one seed in the AFC. And what the Cardinals looked like to wrap up the season, they're not, you can't compute. It doesn't make sense. And it's not like Kingsbury is not work, is working the guys to what, too hard? So suddenly they, they're gassed, they hit a wall at the end? I don't know what the answer is to something like that. And some are saying the answer is that he's not the right coach. This guy was, they were talking about a lucrative contract extension for him a month and a half ago. Coach of the year, halfway through the season. 10 and 2, they were 10 and 2. I mean, come on. They were 10 and 2. They had the West. And they finished losing five. They were 1 and 5 down the stretch. They finished eleven and seven after being ten and two. How did that happen? I don't have the answer for you. I try to have the answers here. I don't know what it is. 
but Murray just looked way too fast. It's just like I was doing the game last night, the pregame and halftime at Westwood One. Kurt Warner was right behind me. I'm listening to everything. He's, he's just like, somebody's got to calm him down. Just calm, I, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. And you want to rag on Baker Mayfield, by the way, you know, in terms of playoff appearances and Oklahoma quarterbacks, he's the Brady. Seriously. <laughs> Jalen Hurts' first start and Kyler Murray's first start, put them together. They didn't look like even a quarter of what Baker Mayfield looked like in the first quarter of his first playoff start last year. I think maybe Aaron Donald Donald does that to people. He might do that to people, and so does Von Miller <laughs> do that Miller to people. Von Miller had a sack last night. Guess yeah. who didn't seem to have a problem with that in the second half in the same building last week? Jimmy Garoppolo. Hmm. You know? Guess who didn't have a problem with that in the same building? Ryan Tannehill? So... It was one of those nights, but what happens if you have one of those nights every single time, you know, Thanksgiving hits for the rest of a season? So my two takes last night is Arizona Cardinals. It happened again. I don't understand it. I don't know what is going on. I'm sure Cliff Kingsbury, wherever he is in his bond lair right now, has to be going through every possible moment of his last nine years of coaching to say, what am I doing? What needs to be different? And then for the L.A. Rams, going to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they're coming on a short week. They're going from west to east. But that is a run game that will definitely test the front seven of Tampa that normally chews up run games. And here comes Odell. Looking in a way that he's never looked before. Fact. Because he's doing it all. He's doing he's doing jack of all trades stuff. I even watched him warm up. He kicked a 45-yard field goal in warm-ups. Yeah, he's and an it was wide athlete. left. It was wide left, but he uh he had the distance and it was end over end. It wasn't like a frisbee. Yeah. I mean, that athlete. guy can do it. Yeah. And Stafford doesn't have to do it, and the run game does it, and that offensive line controls it, and they control the trenches. That's how you win championships, folks. Albert Breer with the latest on would Arizona make a move? Would Dallas still make a move, even though Stephen Jones said absolutely Mike McCarthy's my guy. But Dan Quinn, is he's going to walk through that door and out, never to return in Dallas unless he's bringing his new team in as the head coach of fill-in-the-blank. My friend Mike Mayock got fired yesterday. Does that mean the decks are being cleared for my current coach at Michigan in Vegas? What is the latest on all the other coaching searches? Albert Breer in just a couple of minutes' time. Maurice Jones-Drew, who called the Rams' victory last night locally on the radio, he'll join us top of hour number two. Speaking of Vegas, Max Crosby will be here. The pro bowler, pass rusher of the bounced Las Vegas Raiders. Be great to chat with him. And Nev Campbell in studio. I've never met her. Can't wait to chat with her. That's hour number three when we'll also give you the top five wildest weekend moments from Super Wild Card Weekend. That was, you know, super. Not so, not so super. That's coming up right here on this three hour edition of the Rich Eisen Show. 844 204 Rich, if you want to be part of the conversation as well. 
Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Nev Campbell in studio, hour number three. I just categorized the horror movie that ruined the genre for me, and I said it was Rudy. So... <laughs> You know, honestly, I was horrified by it, and that thus makes it uh, a horror movie. Question, Rich. Why did you have to bring that into it? Yeah. Albert didn't go to Notre Dame. Oh, I had nothing to do with Albert Breer. You know what I mean? There's nothing to do with Albert right. Breer. I don't know if I, where, where Albert stands on all this. Our friend uh, of Sports <laughs> Illustrated right here on the Rich Eyes, the man who pens the MMQB every day. How are you, Albert? We have a lot to dig into there. I was a big fan of Nev, Nev Campbell when I was a uh, when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I spe- you can tell her I especially enjoyed her work in Wild Things. I think people of my age would remember that one. Okay. So where, how do you how do you classify Rudy? <laughs> Is Rudy a sports movie or a horror movie for you? Uh, uh, I, see, I never liked Notre Dame, as, as you know, Rich. Um, I actually grew up a Michigan fan because my my dad, my grandfather, and everything else. So I didn't like him then. And then, you know, going to Ohio State, things don't really change in that regard. They're sort of, I don't know, like, nose in the air. We're too good for the Big Ten. Like, I never liked that about them. So, hmm. I mean, I watched Rudy, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I was, I mean, I think I went to it. If I remember right, I went to it with, like, my Pop Warner team, you know, middle school. Okay. Um, so, I think it's a good movie. Um, I don't think it's a horror movie. Like, okay. I think it's. I, but 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 I but I have heard that it's embellished a little bit, right? Like mm. maybe Rudy's not the feel good guy, feel good character oh, that uh, the people make him out to be. Is we, that right? We had the director uh, of the film Rudy, who also directed Hoosiers, David Onspaugh, on the program. Was that two summers ago now? Twenty twenty summer yeah. of twenty twenty. Yeah, I think so. Um, and he said that compared to um, Rudy, uh, or what he said compared to Hoosiers, 
being made, which he said was made up out of whole cloth. He called Rudy a, a Ken Burns documentary compared to Hoosiers, which kind of upset me. But that's the truth. <laughs> that, that's what he said. <laughs> Wait, Hoosiers is like that fake? Well, well it's based on this true story Aww. of Mile and High, but everything else right. about it, all of it, is made up. Everything oh. else, all of it. Jimmy oh, Chitwood, oh, the, yeah. uh, the picket fence. Yeah, he said. Oh, I'm David, heartbroken, David, David Onspaugh said Angelo Pizzo, who wrote both films as well, was sent. He went to to the you know to the to the small Indiana town where it happened, and reported back that there's no story. He goes, they basically won. Nobody thought it would happen. There's no there there about anything. There's no drama. There's no nothing, and so they made it all up, all oh. of it. I know. Isn't that crazy? Oh, God. And that, that you know, the, the scene of Gene Hackman driving across the you know, cornfield. Like, oh, that's all fake. That's heartbreaking. Oh, and again, and before we get into the football stuff, too, Albert, the one last thing that really broke my heart that David Onspach told us. By the way, this is all on our YouTube page. Um, he told us that the montage where things actually get better for Hickory when they start winning and Gene yeah. Hackman is on the bench laughing it up with, um, with Dennis Hopper. He yep. said that they kept that shot in there with them laughing, uh, even though that shot was was taken when they were both getting ready to actually be camera ready. And Hackman turned to Hopper and thought the movie was so bad, saying, watch, this This will be the end of our careers. Yeah. And, they, and Hopper laughed at that line. <laughs> and they kept that in the film, and that's part of the montage. I mean, it's that's just a great story. That's fantastic. That's that, what he that said. actually is a really good story. It doesn't make up for 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 them fooling me for thirty years into thinking that the, mm. the whole thing was real. But but that is a good story. Albert Bree here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Is Cliff Kingsbury in trouble in Arizona? Based off of what um, we saw, you know, I, I it's you know the hard thing about it, Rich, is like I do think they've made a lot of progress, and I think. You look at where the roster was um, and the position they were in, um, you know, with Josh Rosen as the quarterback and you know, having fired Steve Wilkes as the head coach um, going into 19. I mean, I, I think you could argue um, that place was as big a mess as any place in football at that point. And, uh, I mean, Cliff has sort of re-energized it and I think, you know, uh, developed a lot of good young players there and, gotten the most out of veterans that they brought in there, some of whom, you know, are clearly on the back end of their careers and built a good staff. And so there's so much positive there. But, you know, just some of the things you hear over the last, you know, I'd say even like 12 hours, um, you know, like I, 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 I think there's some concern that there's going to be, there's going to need to be some level of change. Now, whether that happens on the staff or with the head coach, I don't know. Um, I think a key figure in all this, too, that everybody should sort of pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So we know, you know, Michael Bidwell and, and, and Steve Kime, the owner and GM, would be, a, would be kind of part of this. Adrian Wilson um, has a larger voice in the organization. And for people who don't know, you know, obviously he was a great safety for all those years for the team. But he's risen up through the ranks of the, uh, the organization. Now he's a VP in the scouting department, interviewed for the Giants GM job. Um, last week and you know you just sort of hear like that he has a growing voice in the organization and so it'll be interesting to see um, hmm. how they come out of the next couple of days because I don't think Cliff in any way deserves to be fired he's brought the team a long way and they've consistently progressed even though they've fallen apart at the end of every year they've consistently made progress 
but just sort of the rumblings you hear out of there are that there's going to be maybe some level of change in the organization based on how they finish the year. Look, as we all know, breaking news, only one team uh, in the NFL finishes the season off a win, right? So, um, but I don't know how you bring about change of a late season collapse, right? And, you know, I'm sure you've seen it all over Twitter as well, um, the way that his teams finished in college, including with Mahomes, like uh, at quarterback. So how how do you change whatever that is, right? If you're Kingsbury or whomever. The hard part about it, so here's the thing, Rich, is like I think in college, um, and you know this as well as I do, how do college schedules set up? Normally you're playing a bunch of cupcakes early on, right? Like, and let's call it what it is. Like most power five teams, like if you've got four cupcakes on your schedule, they're probably among the first six games, right? And so, like, I think there's a reason why it happened that way in college because they aren't playing the University of Texas or Oklahoma on September 1st, you know? And, and then you look at why it's happened at Arizona. Like, is it because the roster's aging in certain spots? Right. Is it because, you know, like they've, they've relied on some older players in some key spots? I mean, this has happened in New England the last couple of years, too. So I think there's, like, an explanation for it. Uh, but the pattern certainly looks bad, you know? And I think it's something that you certainly have to look at, you know? And, and that's the part of this that I think is fair. Like, do I think Cliff could shoot, lose his job? No. Do I think that they seriously need to see if there's a deeper issue here just beyond – Maybe we rely on some older players in some key spots and we can't be doing that forever. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to ask those questions. And so is that because the coaching staff isn't adjusting to what's being thrown at it um, over the course of the year? Is it because they're giving answers to other teams and other teams are using those answers in the back half of the season? I mean, you and I both know Mm. it's a challenging thing coaching in the NFL and you have to constantly evolve. And I think that's only accelerated, you know, like, where, you know, over the course of a year, it used to be year to year you had to evolve. Now it's almost like over the course of a season you have to evolve. And so I think asking those questions is very, very fair. Again, do I think, like, they need to blow things up? Um, no. I, I, and I think it would be tough to do that because you've got a quarterback that's so specific to the head coach that you hired, you know, in, in Kyler and Cliff. Um, you know, but I do think it's fair to ask some of those big picture questions based on how things have gone the last three years. And it's an excellent point that, you know, in college you start with cupcakes and it gets tougher as the regular season in your conference moves on. It's just interesting that this year Michigan faced the cupcakes at the end of their conference season. So, oh, you know, I mean. Well, you couldn't you could leave all enough alone there. <laughs> Well, well, hey, you know, my your school goes eleven and <laughs> nice. two. They throw parades. My school goes eleven and two, and half the coaching staff is fired. I guess the standards are different, different places, you know. Albert Breer, everybody here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's reset and move on. Reset and move on, as they say in the radio business. <laughs> so, the fallout in Dallas is going to be what? What's your estimation on that? Um, you know, I I think like if if, if you ask Jerry and Stephen Jones, they're they're but they're their preference would be to keep the staff in place completely. Well, Dan Quinn's um, history. I mean, Dan Quinn is the the hottest candidate. Period. I think. I mean, I, I think there, if there's one in one A, I would go Quinn and Brian Flores. Right? Wouldn't you say that right yeah, now? Yeah, Quinn and Brian Flores. I think you throw like Nathaniel Hackett's got some heat. Brian Dayball, I think, is starting to build some momentum. But right. yeah, I mean, I I think it's fair to say that you know Doug Peterson's got some too. But I think it's fair to say Brian Flores and, and Dan Quinn would be at the top of the list. And, um, and, and look, like, I think that's part of what it is in Dallas right now is 
Um, you know, would they like to keep Mike McCarthy and his full staff in place? Yes. Is that feasible? Maybe not. And, you know, I think like, whereas, you know, at the beginning of the year, I think most of us, you know, that cover this stuff and, and talk to people, you know, that have talked to people in that organization would tell you, oh yeah, maybe eventually they move on from Mike McCarthy to go to Kellen Moore. The more I've talked to people about it over the last, you know, over the last couple of months, it sounds like that maybe has changed to would they move on from Mike McCarthy to go to Dan Quinn. Um, that's how much they like him and the job that he did in fixing their defense and developing young players like um, you know, like 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 Trayvon Diggs and Parsons and, and Micah Parsons. And you know, you look at yeah. it too, Rich, and it's I mean, this becomes that because like you know, I like he's got all this interest. I think he's probably the favorite in Denver. He's gonna interview with four of these teams. He turned a fifth team down. Um, and so, you know, I think Jerry and Steven have to have to ask themselves these questions. And it's not just are we okay with Mike McCarthy coming out of this year? It's are we okay with Mike McCarthy going forward if we lose both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn? And if we are in position where we might lose both of them, is there one of them that we would rather have as our head coach right. than Mike McCarthy? Right. And I think that that's I think that's really the question they got to ask. And um, you know, I. I think Quinn's done an excellent job there, and there's no question. I think you look at the job he did in Atlanta, it's not like he was a failure there either. You know, So I think his second shot is coming. I think there's a good chance you know, we're, we're, we're looking up, and, and Dan Quinn's the head coach of the Broncos you know, in a week. Um, you know, but you know, the question, I think, becomes whether or not uh, the, the Cowboys really feel like Mike McCarthy is the guy going forward to make the next defensive coordinator hire, to potentially make the next offensive coordinator hire, or is it worth doing something to keep Dan Quinn? And they've been here before, right? Like, so they were here with Jason Garrett and, and Wade Phillips. They gave uh, Jason Garrett a huge raise. Here's the other nuance that people I don't think are paying much attention to. Okay. They really can't pay. They really can't give Dan Quinn a raise because he's still getting paid by the Falcons. Huh. And so there are offsets there. So Jerry and Stephen, where they've thrown money at this sort of problem in the past, it, it isn't really going to work that way here because of. Dan Quinn's contractual situation. So to me, it's just sort of a fascinating spot for the Jones family to be in. But I can tell you unequivocally, they love Dan Quinn and they'd hate to lose him. And I think the question becomes now, how much would they hate to lose him? Well, I mean, can't they pay him more than what the Falcons were, what the offset is? I mean, can't they just go? But again, I mean, like, why why do that to, for, for what? Is Quinn really going to say, all right, I'll take that much more money to stay here and be the D.C. and not get back as an H.C. and all these other places yeah. that are falling all over themselves for me? And then again, you know, Stephen Jones, it, it seems like the Jones have already made this decision. I mean, Stephen Jones yeah. went on local Metroplex radio yesterday and said that, uh, you know, the look, we've seen, we, we've heard owners give votes of confidence verbally before, and, you know, that, that and a token will get you yeah. on the old subway. But... So um, I, this has got to be done now, right? Like this, this is a developing situation, as Bill Pito used to say on ESPN. Yeah. and like I so. said, I think that I, I think that the, the overwhelming likelihood, the, the likelihood is that Stephen and Jerry are going to follow through on what they said, and and then Mike McCarthy's back as the head coach next year. Wow. But I, I just think that their their feelings for Dan Quinn. I think at least add a layer of intrigue to this. And, you know, again, like I've been told by multiple people how the Joneses have really kind of fallen in love with Quinn and the job that he did. And, um, you know, I just think it's fascinating because I do think when we get to the end of this, Quinn could have multiple offers to be head coaches. 
be, to be a head coach in different places. And he's got a standing relationship um, with George Payton, the GM in Denver. In fact, if they had ever decided to fire Thomas Dimitrov and keep Dan Quinn in Atlanta, George Payton would have been the GM in Atlanta. So there's a standing relationship there. Mm. I think Quinn could wind up getting, again, offers an offer to somewhere else. And, you know, it sort of puts the Cowboys in one of these situations where it's like, you know, how much do you really like the guy who's walking out the door? My guess would be they would stick with McCarthy and just sort of find a way to deal with it. But it, but I, I, I don't think that it would be the easiest thing in the world for, for, for Jerry or Steven to watch Dan Quinn walk out that door. A couple more topics left for you, Albert Breer, in the few minutes that we have left from uh, Sports Illustrated. The Denver situation, um, you know, um, isn't it dicey to take a job when they're going to change owners and you have no idea who the owner is coming in? I mean, because, and, and, you know, you take a look at Belichick and what he tells his acolytes and, and, and whether or not it's a right job to take, you know, he's the one who put his name on a cocktail napkin, reti- resigning right. as the HC of the NYJ because the owner changed and, you know, he, he signed a contract saying, I'll take the job after Parcells is done with it. You know, when Leon Hess was the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson comes in and he's like, uh, I'm out of here, you know? And right. so what about that with the Denver Broncos? Isn't that kind of dicey to take a gig uh, and, and then the owner changes? You have no yeah, idea I believe, who's going I believe Bill Belichick's line is, the owner's the one thing you can't change, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's a fair question to ask, you know? And, um, you know, the hope is that a lot of the people there would, would stay in place. And you just hired George Payton. He's incredibly competent, um, and he's done a good job in his first year there. Joe Ellis, the team president, has been there forever. Um, so, you know, I, I think the hope for most of the people in the organization is that, you know, like you would, um, you would wind up, um, you would wind up keeping the current structure in place. But I, I'm with you. There's definitely unknown there. And, um, yeah, I don't know how much this has been out there. I'm sure it's been out there somewhere, but um, you know, I know the trustees, the Bolin trustees, um, who aren't family members, have a fiduciary responsibility. This is written that the team goes to the highest bidder. So you want to talk about not being able to control where this is where, where, where this is going? I mean, they don't have any control. You know, like you don't know who the highest bidder is going to be. It could be somebody. I mean, like from out of the market that you know, no one has any had any clue about you know before the process started and so um yeah i mean i th- i'm with you rich like that is a, a very serious question i'm sure it's one that's being addressed in every one of these interviews and um you know george payton's handling the interviews but you know that's why joe ellis has been available to the guys who are interviewing so absolutely you know and i think you know then the question becomes with with quinn is his relationship with george payton such where the two want to work together and have wanted to work together for a while. And, you know, it's sort of at that point where it's like, well, we have to take this risk because we've always wanted to do it together. The other thing is, and I would say this too, that team's in pretty good shape. I mean, if you look at where they are and yeah, they don't have quarterbacks figured out right yet, just yet. Yeah. But, you know, I know people in that organization feel like they are where they were in 2012 before they got Peyton Manning and that, there's a setup there with young talent at receiver, a young pass rusher, a young corner that looks a lot like the setup in 2012 that attracted Peyton Manning to Denver. Lynn, the last one for you then, Albert, is yesterday, you know, an interesting Monday, Mike Mayock, my friend and longtime mm-hmm. NFL Network colleague, is fired as the general manager for the Raiders. At the same time, uh, my alma mater, Jim Harbaugh, announces the – 
the hiring of a defensive line coach from Notre Dame, Mike Elston, who's a former Michigan football player, but he welcomes him back and the press release is talking about it's one big happy family. And so, you know, Mayock's firing is a debt clearing. So yeah. what what's going on with the Raiders situation I, and, and Harbaugh still a possibility here? What do you think? I don't know that it's specifically being done for Harbaugh. I mean, one thing that I that I heard going back a couple of months is that, you know, the business side people and they've cleaned out their business side over the last six months, the business side people in Vegas, you know, kind of viewed um, after, you know, Gruden was fired. Is this a, is this a chance to, to like reimagine um, the organization, you know? And I think if Mike had stayed on, it would be a sign that Rich Passaccio was in really good shape. And I, I always felt like if they decided to fire Mike, it was in order to take big swings to allow whoever the next coach is to maybe recreate the organization in his own image. And so, you know, I've talked for a couple of months about the idea that they could be a team that could pull off a coach trade, and maybe they call Pittsburgh about Mike Tomlin. Maybe they call New Orleans about Sean Payton. Not saying those guys would go, but it's, you know, I mean, it's worth asking, right? And then Harbaugh's the other one. Um, and, you know, there's obviously a relationship between Mark Davis and Jim Harbaugh. Almost hired him in 2015 when Michigan got him. Um, and Harbaugh coached there in 2002 and 2003. Um, you know, that said, I do think that defensive line hire, I mean, I'll tell you, it got my attention, Rich, because somebody had pointed this out to me. And you want to go back to the Iowa State-Michigan thing, look, here we can, how, you know, there was a two-week period there where Ryan Day was very aggressively filling out his staff. It was pointed out to me that, you know, Jim Harbaugh had two or three staff openings that he was doing nothing about. And he was just leaving those jobs open. And that was an indication maybe that he was on his way out. Well, the fact that they went and hired a D-line coach to me at least signals that Michigan feels like they're in a good spot and Harbaugh is okay with the idea of going back. And maybe there's at least some framework for a contract to get done. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd warn anybody, you know, don't climb in Jim Harbaugh's head. <laughs> it's a crazy place. And, 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 I, and I would not like guess what he's going to do right now. Um, because if you go back to 2015, you'll remember this, Rich. There was a time when people were saying there's no way he's going back to college, and he did. You know, So I think it's not over till it's over. But I would say that defensive line hire is at least a good sign that Jim Harbaugh is you know, potentially coming back to Michigan for, I think this would be an eighth year, right? And, um, and you know, I, 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 I also think, you know, at the same time, simultaneously, that um, the Raiders are looking to take a big swing at, at, to, to, to fill that head coaching spot. I think the, the, the interest in Harbaugh is one sign of it, and I think the firing of Mayock is probably another sign of it. Albert, greatly appreciate always. Thanks for the time. Much All right, thanks, Rich. Have a good one. You got it. That's Albert Breer. I follow him on Twitter at Albert Breer. You should as well. Let's take a break. I've got a couple of thoughts on that, specifically the Raiders situation. When we come back right here on the Rich Eisen Show and your phone calls, 844-204-RICH. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. We'll take your calls here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, We have a segment here on this program every Tuesday brought to you by our friends at Courtyard by Marriott. We call it Rise and Shine. You like it? R-E-I-S-E-N and shine. You like it? Rise and shine. Okay. (laughs) I'm a big Uh, fan. It's about people who get up and hit the road and perform well on the road. And we've been talking about players. We've been talking about uh, certain parts of a team, a whole team. We like the Saints defense. They were the first rise and shine after they shut out Brady, for instance. The rise and shine feature this week focuses on Donna Kelsey. Oh, baby. Travis and Jason Kelsey's mom. You want to talk about shining on the road? She She rose and shined this week. She went from Tampa to Kansas City on one single playoff Sunday, and she saw both her kids play. How about that? So, of course, you know, I'm sure the schedule comes out. Tampa hosting Philly to start. Okay. Jason's playing in Florida. Early game. And then you've got all Dallas versus San Francisco to get yourself to Kansas City. So she watches Philly and Tampa, and then she's hopping on a plane. Look at her. She's an aisle person. Aisle, yeah. Okay. Might be the best available. Maybe. Okay. Yep. She's aisle. She's taking that flight. She gets to Kansas City. She's there in time. Look at her living her best life. And she she had to pack two different jerseys. Okay. Oh, yeah. Only carry-on situation. Of course. Only carry on two games, one day, one amazing mom. And then as if that's not enough, well done. Donna Kelsey asking a question of Travis Kelsey in his post-game press conference, victorious, after he throws a touchdown pass <laughs> as well. Yes, it's, it's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, mom? I'm glad you made it. Now, yeah, I know. I actually made it at, at a disappointing <laughs> Tampa game. This was an elation to see you get a touchdown in a playoff game. I mean, oh my gosh, how good did that feel? How good did that feel after all these years? Oh man, to finally throw a touchdown like I used to tell my mom when I was like five years old, I was going to eventually throw a touchdown in the National Football League. Uh, I finally got it done. It only took me nine years. That's a good question though, mom. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's, it's so fun, and that's what makes sports so great, because you can be depressed in the morning and elated in the evening. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Glad, glad I could put a smile on your face. Love you, yeah, Mom. You, you love you, too. She's the best, man. <laughs> Donna Kelsey, rise and shine. Two-hour and 50-minute flight from yeah. Tampa to Kansas City. Thank goodness on time. Switches time zones. Oh, yes. Gains an hour. Gains an hour. Honestly, it was all mapped out all perfectly. Perfectly. She pulled it off. Pulled off the caper. 
You know, I was seeing some people yes. on, on Twitter talking like, oh, yeah, how hard is it when she has millionaire sons to get her a private jet? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. no, 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 no. She no, no, no. Jet. private jet. Yeah, not a private no. jet. Like, she, she went Southwest yeah. Air. Like, you know. I don't know what that what that was. But there it is. There you go. She's on the uh, She's in the aisle. Southwest or Delta? Delta, uh, American. Who knows? There you go. I know it's not JetBlue. Look at her. her. And she switched into her Kansas City gear to get on the plane to Kansas City. Thank goodness for the Tampa to Kansas City Direct. Yeah. You know? Perfect timing. I mean, it all worked out. Except for Jason not winning. But other than that, it all worked out. And then she got the question in. I love that. She had a great Sunday, man. How did she get that Zoom link? I wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. And that's this week's Rise and Shine brought to you by Courtyard by Marriott. is the official hotel of the NFL for 11 years and counting. Courtyard by Marriott is proud to fuel your love of the game all season long, whether you're just a fan or a mom and a fan. When you're on the road, no reason to miss out on watching the game. You can hang out in the bistro bar to cheer on your favorite team with good food and good company. If you're traveling to an out-of-town game with over 1,000 hotels across the U.S., Courtyard has the perfect place for you to stay near the stadium. And if you're a Marriott Bonvoy member, discover even more ways to earn and redeem points with access to exclusive NFL experiences. At Courtyard by Marriott, passion moves us forward. Where will yours take you? In the case of Donna Kelsey, Tampa, and Kansas City. I love that. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful week that was. Part of a super wild card week. And Max Crosby of the aforementioned Raiders coming up. Same with Maurice Jones. 